Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Ash London Podcast. Every week I'll be chatting to guests who have entertained, inspired, educated, brought hope or just distracted us in recent crazy times as we ask the question, how do we keep living our best lives when the world around us kind of feels like it's imploding? Hello, my loves. I hope you're having a great week so far. I certainly am. Buddy's had his shots. He's been recovering. I cried more than him. In fact, as soon as I saw the needles, I started crying and the doctor was like, okay, this might be a job for dad. <laughs> but he's better now. And uh, yeah, we've had a good week. Um, I wanted to do something a bit different for this episode. And this is something I've wanted to do for a little while now, um, but I wasn't really sure how or who to do it with, and then the penny kind of dropped. And I'll tell you about our guest in a second. But a bit of background here. I don't know about you guys, but I'm still with this kind of Freedom Day stuff and us all coming out of lockdowns. I'm feeling still a little cautious, hesitant, maybe even a bit anxious about life kind of returning to normal. I think having a baby has really exacerbated it because at the best of times, if I had a new baby, I'd be aware of germs and all that kind of stuff. But now it's like, you know, for so long we've been told that it's dangerous to leave the house. I, I think I really started to believe it. And then all of a sudden we're allowed to go to Westfield and, you know, it took me a while. I certainly wasn't one of those people lining up at Kmart at midnight. And if you are one of those people that lined up at Kmart at midnight, please message me to explain the thinking behind that. But anyway, we want to feel safe in the world and we deserve to feel safe in the world. But for many of us, that safety has been taken away. So today I'm talking with a hero of mine, psychologist Dr. Julie Crabtree, about how we can all best adapt to this new life and whether hope is actually possible. And if it is possible, how do we cultivate it? Now, this episode, I think, is worth two listens. The first time to just take it in, the second time to take notes. I did this episode as much for me personally as I did for all of you guys. I hope you find it helpful. I certainly did. Let's welcome Dr. Julie Crabtree. Thank you for having me, Ash. Now, in the age of like lots of bad advice and fake news and misinformation, I thought that it was important to start this with your actual real life credentials because you're a real doctor. Well, two things. One, I did my master's last century in the area of armed holdups. So I was, I really did research and work in the beginning of us understanding trauma, post-traumatic stress. And, uh, you know, as a consequence of that, I put in place a hold-up support program. Now, I mention this because it's going to be part of the documentary that's being done early next year on um, hold-ups, armed hold-ups. So that was the first part of my credentials. And then more recently, I completed my doctorate through UTS ClinSight program in the area of um, shared vulnerability with the highly creative and those with early psychosis. 
So that's my second area of research and work. So I work mainly in um, with creative people right now, but I also do quite a bit of work with trauma. Wow. Armed holdups. What yes. made you kind of explore that? That's it's super interesting but pretty niche. Well, I got a job as a graduate in a large bank that will not be named and they were going through this huge increase, 160% increase in armed holdups. And I was a little psych that got given the job of researching it and developing a program because we we had no idea. Mm. And um, this was in an age where the bank manager would have a gun in his safe and the lead teller would have a gun. Don't know what that would do about it, but um, these were kind of very early days of armed holdups. And, of course, no one had any idea about the impact that that would have on staff. So, yes. Well, I kind of, I didn't know that about you, but knowing that it makes it all the more perfect that we'll be having this chat today. And the reason I wanted to have you on is because, as we all know, it's been a time, it's been a while. Yes. And um, now that the world is opening up, there was, there was kind of this thing that we, th- we all thought, great, once we start to get our freedom back, it's going to be like nothing ever happened and we'll all be super happy and we'll go back to our lives and hopefully we'll learn a lesson from all the, the global pandemic, but it doesn't really matter if we don't because we'll be back to it. But really that's not kind of been the reality of what's happened. There is it's some hesitation, there's some stress. Yeah. Do you think in your in your opinion as a person living in the times that you've lived in and also in your job, in your profession, I mean, has this generation really experienced something collectively? It's like a collective armed holdup, but the robber is this mm. frigging pandemic. Have we ever experienced anything like this before or have we? Yes, we have, but in the age of information, now we're just talking about it more. Mm. I mean, I, I would describe it as the fact that the world's tilted. Yeah. There's been a, if you like, a psychosocial tilt in, in our collective understanding of things. And, you know, it's, it's hard when you use the word trauma because I've thought there's a very technical way you view trauma. Yeah. So trauma is something where you experience, witness or have something closely associated with real or imagined death. And, of course, those that experience something that is life-threatening through COVID, those whose family members either had a family member die or something similar, those who are on the front line, the ICU staff, the the doctors, then yes, from that technical point of view, they would have experienced trauma and, and clear kind of consequences with that. But I think that what you're talking about is something else. And a lot of people talk about in terms of loss. Yeah. You know, we've kind of lost what we knew about the world. We've lost our jobs. We've lost our way of life. So they often talk about in terms of loss. But I, I guess I also think that we are experiencing something that has its understanding in the trauma research. Mm. And this is the idea that comes from researchers called Yannick and Fries. And they talked about assumptions that get shattered after a traumatic event and these assumptions are an assumption of invulnerability these things won't happen to us an assumption that that events that happen are meaningful and make sense 
and an assumption about how we are in relation to these events. And I think for many of us, we've had some of our assumptions that have become a little bit shattered, like um, the assumption that we, you know, we are safe from medical um, events. Totally. That, that medical science is at a level that, you know, we don't get cholera, we don't get the malaria generally. And so mm. we've got this belief that we're invulnerable from some of these quite serious medical events. And, of course, that hasn't been true. Um, the idea that things make sense are meaningful and, of course, the suddenness of this, mm. the unexpectedness of this, has shattered a whole lot of assumptions about um, things making sense for us and also ourselves being safe in the world. And, uh, and I think that what we're seeing now is people... Um, having their assumptions shattered, and I, I would describe this like you see a mirror and it's shattered on the ground, and we're slowly picking up the pieces of what we understand about our own vulnerability, our own safety, uh, our own sense of meaning mm. and purpose, and I think we're slowly picking up the pieces of that mm. at a collective level. Yeah. What do you think are some of the ways that different people react to some of those assumptions being broken because we are all very different and people can have the same experience and have the same feelings and fears but act out really differently and looking around at the world that we know it today it really seems like different camps have kind of been formed by people who have had these similar experiences but reacted really differently Mm. and I think for some people there's that kind of denial which is you know I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist, I'm just going to live my life, Mm. you know, I'm not going to deal with the tilt that's happened and everything's going to go on the same until, Mm. you know, until something happens. Mm. There's the group of people that are highly anxious and, and because things are shattered, their view is bad things are going to keep on happening to me, therefore my only safe place is in this tiny little bubble and I'm not going to move from there. And so there's this heightened anxiety around those things and this catastrophic thinking around those things. For I think most of us, we're just walking through understanding what this means. We're thinking about risks. Mm. We're making calculated risks in how we emerge. And this is a really slow process. So Freedom Day is not a switch being flipped. Mm. It, it is really a very slow thought through walking out of answering some questions where can we be safe who can we be safe with who do we trust and how do we manage our need for certainty in a constantly uncertain and changing world Mm. so I think we're working out those things and I think that's going to take us quite a bit of time we know we haven't even begun to deal with the anger Mm. and grief from the deaths that have occurred. Where do you start when it comes to this idea of, because that's certainly very much how I feel. I think having a baby kind of exacerbates that, right? Yes. I've got this new child that I'm in charge of and I have to protect. And also, apart from that, I also want to protect myself and don't particularly, you know, feel very comfortable and safe with this newfound kind of opening up. Where do you start with this idea of where do I find some certainty? Part of that is grappling with, firstly, the idea that there are things that we cannot control. 
Mm. Um, and, and some of that's hard because we, we had to go out and we had to trust strangers that they were, you know, responding according to health yeah. orders. I think for most of us, we were very integrous with that. Yeah. But there were people that weren't. And I think, you know, this is a practical thing now. I would say if you have made the decision to be vaccinated and you are being very tentative, I would take risks now because it means that where you are going now, there is already a requirement to be vaccinated. So there's a degree of kind of certainty about some things. So now is the time to take risks. Don't wait for kind of months down the track and work it out then. Mm. I think you have to move outside the bubble. Yeah. Because otherwise the sense of loss will be so profound. I mean, is there a way to trick yourself? Is there a way to kind of, I don't know, like we used to feel safe, we don't feel safe, we want to feel safe again. Is there things we as human beings with brains and bodies and whatevers can do to help ourselves along the way to actually make our body feel safe again? Yes. Because we understand that when we experience threat in our system, which we have, that there is a surge of adrenaline cortisol in our, kind of flooding our systems, mm. increasing our heart rate, breathing rate, turning all of our kind of digestive process to our extremities, giving us what we need to, um, to fight, to run, flee, or to play dead. Mm. Now... That's supposed to be a surge and then a, a, a recovery. Um, and it's called the kind of capacity surge. Now, what's happened, there hasn't been a resolution. Mm. You know, it, it, there hasn't been a, I, I, was, I was under threat, now I'm safe. It was, I was under threat and I have to live with this constant change and uncertainty. And so our adrenaline, our cortisol are still very much in our system. So we have to find some ways to switch that off. Now, one of the first ways we switch that off is or get, recon, you know, a resolution with it is through just this bonding, mm. you know, this ability to have somebody. When we're scared, you go to somebody who, you know, cares about you and they hug you until you stop feeling scared. Yeah. So what we did as a four-year-old, and it's kind of what we need now. The problem that we've had is that we haven't been doing a lot of touching and holding mm. and hugging. Wow. So when, when we get hugged, there's the, there's the hormone, the, the oxytocin, which is our bonding hormone, which you would have in huge supply now. Because yeah, that's why my boobs leak. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But it's also what is produced when we bond. Mm. And it, what's, it, it's what is used to help regulate our stress levels. So it's like we've had this surge of adrenaline cortisol without, without our antidote, without the oxytocin. Yeah. And so I would say now, start touching. And I, I know this sounds a weird thing, particularly mm. if you're in relationships, but there's been such a messaging of social distancing that, that certainly I, I'm not holding hands, I'm not hugging, I'm not doing any of those things that I would normally do as an affectionate person. So I'm having to teach myself to do that again. Mm. And I think that's a really, really simple thing that we can start doing because. Those that are in that circle for us, we trust so we can start doing it. Mm. The other thing, we know breathing deeply and mindfulness switches it off. 
because it sends the signal that we're not under threat and we're safe. So um, that's really helpful doing your mindfulness practice. But even more than that, we've been spending the last four months going out for walks, mm. noticing things, noticing the change of seasons, noticing the, start, the smells of perfume as the, the spring flowers come out, the sound of birds, you know, um, and, and I hope you've been in places where you can actually go for walks like mm. that. And that's being mindful and that, again, signals that we're safe and switches off the adrenaline cortisol. So I would be doing those things and, and I would be very intentional around saying things like, I'm safe now, mm. I'm safe now, and breathing deeply. So when you do go out and have your first kind of coffee in-person experience, that you go down there and you just check in. Mm. And if you notice you're a little bit alert, then you slow your breathing down mm. and you just go, oh, no, I'm safe now, mm. I'm okay now. Check in um, with your QR code and then check in with yourself. That's right. That's right. And just take those small steps mm. and notice when, you know, somebody brushes really close to you and you might be going, yeah. and you just go, no, it's okay. You know, we're up to nearly 90%. <laughs> mm. we're, we're all right now. Mm. And just kind of keep that positive self-talk that reminds you of your own safety. So they're kind of some simple things yeah. that are doing, but switching off this kind of surge is, is going to take a little bit of time um, for us and, and it needs kind of being intentional around it. Yeah, and there's a sense of practice makes perfect because I was very much like I had to li quite literally do that when I went to a cafe. Yeah. You're safe, Ash, you're okay, this is fine, you're okay. And then I did it and the world didn't implode and I didn't get COVID and I was okay and then I did it again. And then it, like with everything, it becomes kind of normal again, which I found surprising. It didn't take as long as I thought it would for me to feel comfortable in a cafe, but it is kind of that you just have to keep doing it, right? You have to keep doing it and doing it at your comfort level. Yeah. And recognise that people have got different comfort levels. Mm. So you may be great for that, but you may not want to go over and have a party yeah. with people in a space. That may be beyond your comfort levels and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Don't push yourself there because this is a slow and steady um, process, not a quick. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Process. And when, I mean, there's the kind of normal level of anxiety, stress, fear that we're all kind of going through that is normal and expected and with a couple of the tips that you've kind of outlined, we can attack. What are some of the signs maybe that it's a little more serious and maybe people need to get a bit of help or that this isn't just something that can be fixed with some exercises but that it's kind of transitioned to the bad place, so to speak? Hmm. 
I'm, I'm saying this, you know, thoughtfully. In that sense, there really is a, a, a mental health epidemic right now. And I think for a whole lot of reasons, I think relationships have been under extraordinary strain in lockdown. And when, when they've been, you know, we, we all have stuff in relationships, but I think the intensity mm. of the lockdown has really been quite fracturing for some relationships. So that's been difficult. I think the, it, it is not just the stress of the pandemic, but it's also just the little stresses that are going on, the uncertainty of where do I have a job or I don't have a job, the pressures that some people are under, the sense of, I would use this word, um, a foreboding. People have a sense yeah. of foreboding, um, which means that they don't have a positive view of the future. Yeah. And um, they, they are feeling completely demotivated. And certainly for a lot of the people I, I work with, they're in an industry, the creative arts industry, that has been decimated. Yeah. And they are looking at um, not knowing when they're going to work again after they've spent years upon years upon years honing their craft. Mm. So I say, if in doubt, it doesn't hurt to reach out. Mm. Um, there is certainly a huge demand on our mental health system. Um, and, and I would say wait to get in because mm. it's not going to hurt. Even talking through things, yeah. some people that kind of just need check-ins every now and then, and sometimes people just need to hear that they're, they're okay, yeah. this is normal. But this absolute lack of motivation that they feel, this sluggishness that they feel, yeah. like that's, that's okay and normal. Mm. So. I would say if in doubt, reach out and get some support and help. Are there any, I mean, when this first started and I, we didn't know how shitty it was going to be, yep. I was kind of like, there are positives in this. We will learn from this and we'll come mm. out of it and we'll take our lessons and society can be better. We didn't know how crazy things were going to get, you know, yep. how divided society would get. I think for me that's the most heartbreaking part is that yes. kind of once, especially once the lockdowns and the vaccine happened, it was just this division, which I think I don't know how we're going to come back from. Mm. But less and less I thought that there could be some positives to come out of this. Mm. Do you think there are any? Do you think we can slash will grow or take anything good from this? Mm. Yes, I do actually. Call me, call me an optimist. But one thing I've observed is that, uh, as a teacher said to me, rather than parents working two jobs, driving their kids around from activity to activity, they were forced to spend a whole lot of time with their kids, either trying to do homeschooling, not really doing homeschooling. Um, but families were spending a lot more time together. Yeah. And I've heard that. I've heard that people are really celebrating that. And I'm, I guess I'm flagging too that there are some families that hasn't worked, that there's been cracks there. Mm. Um, but for, for many people, they've enjoyed that, that time together. I think that's an incredible positive. I think people have slowed down. And I hear again this theme, I don't want to get back to the busyness I had mm. before. Amen. I like my slower pace. And I like not feeling this pressure to do all the time. Yeah. And so 
people are re-emerging, but they're doing it slowly and they are thinking about how they want to live their life, given that they've had this experience of a slower life. Mm. I think that's a really good thing. Mm. I, I have observed that there's some people that did a lot of self-medicating on a lot of substances prior to and experienced a lot of the ups and downs, the heightened anxiety, the paranoia associated with that through enforced lockdown and lack of supply have made decisions to lead a more stable, balanced life. Mm. I think that's a really good thing. And that speaks to this idea of the pandemic flux syndrome, which is Amy Cuddy suggested this as a, a social researcher in the States. She talked about the initial kind of surge of crisis, the um, regression, which is that flat, dead, demotivated, and then the rebuilding, where you're rethinking a whole lot of things. And there's the whole kind of messaging about people giving up jobs or whatever. But the broader question is they're reprioritizing their lives and thinking about what their next five years looks like. And I think that's a really good thing. Is there a way that we can help ourselves to kind of be mindful, be aware, actually kind of get this done and actually learn the lesson, actually do the work, actually, you know, change the behaviour? And in some ways your decision-making around your priorities and values are the things that are going to help you Mm. make those changes. And I guess it's part of this idea of shattered assumptions. If you build back that you want this to help you create a more meaningful life, a life that is more satisfying for you, um, a life that you find is more nourishing, Mm. where you uh, are spending time with the people that you want to and doing things that you want to, then that will help inform your decisions. So this period of time is making the hard decision to say no yes, and to say yes. And that's hard for those that are very, very used to being yes people, people pleasers, um, compliant. Yeah. So those that are, that are compliant or those that are very used to saying yes, the hard task now is to learn how to filter that. And there's some really simple things you can do, which is saying, giving yourself a script of let me think about it, mm. let me go and talk with, I'll get back to you. Yeah. So that allows you the rethinking time to reprogram some of those, um, the neurobiology where you automatically say totally. yes. I had so. to do that with Buddy, with visitors, mm. because people were just so keen to to visit and I'm so aware of COVID and being vaccinated and then on top of that, just his normal vaccinations he still hasn't had. And I'm, you know, I don't like to have people not like me and I want everyone to be my friend and love me and, you know, so not such a people please but more just like a make people like me. And I had to have a script exactly the same and everyone, you know, um, is on text these days. I literally had it copied in my notepad and it was just the same response to get back to people to say, we're not doing visits right now and, you know, in a couple of weeks once, you know, Buddy's had his vaccinations, we'll be doing it. No cuddles for now. We can't wait to start. Something like that. And it really was just a script. And then, like I said earlier, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes and less scary it becomes when, you know, people yeah. don't blow up at you and hate you all of a sudden. They go, cool, we understand, no, no worries. No. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's helpful. I know it seems like a really basic thing. 
but scripts are really, really helpful. Totally. And having somebody else that helps you with the script. Yeah. You always need a script coach <laughs> that goes, no, you can say that. You can say that. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, lastly, the idea of kind of hope and I think, you know, there has been a sense of hopelessness and we have talked about positives coming out of this. Mm-hmm. But the cultivation of hope is something that I really want to start in my own life, especially as a new mom, having a kid in a pandemic and so aware of the fact that he's coming into a very strange world and he may just be a baby, but I'm convinced that he absorbs more than we think. So how do we cultivate hope again for ourselves personally and perhaps as a society? And I said right in the beginning that I felt that the world had tilted and I think it's really more than the pandemic. As you say, it's this divisiveness and this mm. weaponizing of information and we spent months being absorbed by weaponized information mm. whose intent is to evoke in us negative emotions yeah. and that's having huge and um and from my point of view heartbreaking consequences so we know underlying beliefs around a uh, fear that bad things will happen skewers our imagination and our perspective of things, which evokes an emotional response and a physical and behavioural response. So we have to be very intentional, particularly if we've got a predisposition to worry that bad things are going to happen, which so many people have, you know, that we have to be very careful about what information comes in and what fills our imagination. Mm. And if there is one thing that I would encourage people to do, and that is to reduce or get off their social media and to reduce significantly their news clicks. Mm. We know it's weaponized to create negative feelings for us. And right now we just don't need negative feelings. Mm. We really don't. Nope. Um, uh, and we don't need writers writing news stories for clickbait that present an image of the future that is really quite bad yeah um because that's not helping us Mm. so that would be one thing that i'd be very very careful of doing and i would be intentional about filling our screens uh, our perspective our imagination with beauty with nobility with kindness, with caring. And there is an awful lot of that around. Mm. I just don't think that we are. It's just not um, as sexy. What, no, and we're just, not, we're just not used to seeing it right now. Um, yeah. uh, uh, this week with somebody, I, I intentionally asked them to focus on a positive thought for 16 seconds because we know positive thoughts need 16 seconds to um, imprint mm. negative thoughts straight away Yeah, wow. as a way to encourage the being intentional around positive thoughts. Mm. So it's, it's like we have to change our diet right now. If we want an emotion of hope, we have to change our diet of what's coming in mm. and we have to look for, you know, the other day I, you know, I, I had a my exciting going um, going into the centre of Sydney 
to the botanical gardens. And I remember sitting there and looking at this old, beautiful tree. And for the first time, I just noticed this, this intricate design on the tree that kind of mesmerised me for a while. Mm. You know, it's, it's those things that, that seem quite simple, but they're, it's, it's filling ourselves with beauty mm. um, because beauty does something to our soul. Mm. Uh, when we see people being kind, it does something to our soul. I think we are aching to see people that are noble mm. in public life. And I think we have to search a little bit for yeah. some of that to begin to bring hope as an antidote to, I think, this global foreboding mm. that is happening and this ache of divisiveness. Yeah. And, and I have heard people just saying, and I think it's an important thing, I have realised how much connection is important. So when I'm meeting up again and I know we have divisiveness, I am being intentional about not going there yeah, because I'm valuing this connection more than I am about being right. Mm, um, that's beautiful. And I, and I thought, again, that's nobility. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I love the way you talked about it as a diet because it's language we're all comfortable with and we're all familiar with. I want to lose weight. I've got to watch what I eat, right? Mm. Well, I want to feel more hopeful. I've got to watch what I'm putting in. Yes. I think that's such a, a wonderful way of looking at it. I'm on a diet, but it's a, yeah, I love that. I love that, Julie. Thank you very much. I think that's a perfect way for us to finish up. That was all gold. You're a legend. And I hope everyone listening has kind of better understands why they feel the way they feel, but also feels um, a bit prepared to re-enter the world and, and do it to set themselves up to win. Thanks, Ash. You're the best. Dr. Julie Crabtree, what a <laughs> legend. Thank you so much, my love. Thank you. Thank you. Big, big love to Julie for making time to share her wisdom and experience with us all this week. I imagine that being a psychologist in 2020 and 2021 would really take it out of a person. I know her plate is very full, so thank you, Julie. Um, I hope you're able to take some practical tips away from that chat, Um, not just about how to survive but really thrive as we adapt to this kind of new world it's a, it's like a big social experiment and I can't wait to see how it all turns out but I certainly feel better having some of those practical tips and also knowing that you know this isn't forever and we can all have the guts to have a bit of hope again I think we all definitely need that I'll catch you next Tuesday for our Tuesday edition new mum who dis I'll be chatting with Adele Barbaro whose whole career and life completely pivoted after she became a mum. I love this woman, and I know you will too. Audio production on the Ashlanded podcast is by Dom Evans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.